It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, unlicensed daycare provider, and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Coach, great to have you along today. So glad you're listening to today's episode of College Recruiting Weekly, the podcast. And we've got a, a great one for you. Actually, if you liked the previous episode, which was our fantastic interview and chat with Mike Lightfoot, the legendary NAIA basketball coach, now involved with nations of coaches trying to uplift coaches and find balance uh, in their lives. You're going to like today's episode because quite by chance, uh, one of our former guests and good friends of the company and the podcast, Jim Harshaw, stepped in and said, hey, I would love to talk to coaches about the whole balance thing and achieving balance and success through proper goal setting. And he will get involved with telling you exactly what that means. Uh, But it involves a goals compass that he's developed and uh, and a really great goal setting worksheet and template that you can use in your daily life, whether it's recruiting, whether it's organizing your coaching life and the program that you run. But, But most of all, as those two areas start to to blend into your personal life, this is where this goal setting is going to be uh, just a really great resource. Jim Harshaw, you can find him at his web, website, Jim Harshaw Jr., which is jimharshawjr.com. He has a fantastic podcast as well that I recommend coaches listen to called Success Through Failure, and you can find that on iTunes and Google and all the normal places you'd find a podcast. If you aren't listening to it, Coach, I really recommend you do because it's just uh, it's a really interesting take on all sorts of topics. He doesn't just stick with sports on this podcast. He goes and talks to business people, and sure, there are coaches and athletes. Uh, Jim uh, right now is at University of Virginia. He's a former uh, collegiate wrestler, former collegiate wrestling coach, uh, now works in uh, development and administration at the University of Virginia. So fantastic resource, but his podcast is all about how people find success by learning from their mistakes and their failures. And uh, boy, it's, just, it, it's always fun to listen to. It's one of my kind of go-to podcasts when I'm uh, at the gym or driving. Uh, just really interesting. It has a great style and a great way of bringing out valuable life lessons. So He's our guest today, and I'm going to jump right into the conversation because, again, it's a great follow-up on finding balance, which is something that that most coaches find very difficult in their life. Uh, As a coach, you get into this profession, and it's all in 100%, and you kind of just keep going and keep going, and year after year passes, and all of a sudden you look back, and I've had conversations with many coaches, they look back and they think, holy cow, I'm really... I'm really out of balance. I have no personal life or my relationships on the personal side of my life are are really suffering or I just focus on the wrong things in my profession as a coach. Uh, so this is what the conversation is all about. And we'll jump right into the conversation with Jim Harshaw. And uh, I'm going to let you know, too, there are some fantastic resources in the show notes of this uh, this podcast. You can just go to kind of the cover page of the podcast on your device and uh, click on the show notes. There's going to be some uh, some links to resources that Jim is giving away, and uh, really recommend that you you take a look at those. But we'll start the conversation off with Jim Harshaw, Coach. This is all about finding the right kind of balance in your life so that you can be more successful as a coach and as a person in your personal life. 
coaches are competitors. So whenever you're put in this competitive environment, you know that everybody else is working hard. So you want to work hard. And I was there once I was a division one head coach and, mm -hmm. and you just work and you work and you work and you know that other people are working and, and with the recruiting rules now you can recruit. So, you know, so, so much of your time can be sort of invested in recruiting and, and, and then there's fundraising and then there's the paperwork and then there's social media and everything like you have to do all of these things. Right. And, and we want to win. Like we're just, we're, we're athletes, we're competitors. We want to win. And so when we know that somebody else is working hard, we're going to work hard too. And often that's, that's at, uh, at the expense of, of our own health and wellness. It's at the expense of our own relationships with our spouses, with our kids, with our family, et cetera. We just give up these other areas of our life because we're so focused on winning. And, and one thing, you know, when, when you're an athlete, probably, you know, most of the college coaches here were, were college athletes as well. And, and when you were a college athlete, it was kind of okay to, to give up the sort of social side of your life, right? You'd maybe, you know, right. you, if you're not married at that point, you don't have a spouse to sort of invest your time into that, that is an important part of your life. And, um, and, and, you know, so you have fewer things to balance. You get out into the real world and there's so many important things that we want to accomplish and achieve and, and health and wellness and family, et cetera. So that's that, that competitiveness that, uh, that leads us to imbalance. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, uh, as you, as you were talking just then to start off the conversation about what, what the, the, the difference between being an athlete and being a coach, and you kind of answered it that, that, uh, you know, when you're an athlete, it's okay to be doing extra workouts or it's okay to sacrifice, you know, the social life or the parties or whatever you're going to do to be a, an elite higher level athlete. What, so what particular things on the negative side get carried over then when you leave the world of college athletics as an athlete and you decide to enter into the world of college coaching, what are the negatives that you've seen coaches carry in with them from that time as an athlete that 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 actually may as an athlete were were once positives is one thing it's it's single-minded focus single-minded focus you know when you're an athlete it's really this this laser focus on one thing and everything else is sort of secondary um and when you carry that over into the real world when you have that single-minded focus on if it's if it's on winning then uh then you're sacrificing so many other things. And, and so, so you, you don't pay attention. I mean, relationships are hard, right? Marriage is hard. Right. Like it's something you really have to work at. And if you're traveling constantly and, and in the office until eight, nine o'clock at night, making recruiting calls and it's hard, you know, unless you're, unless you're focused on, on really living a balanced life, that single-minded focus is just going to, it's going to it's going to devastate you in other areas of your life. So the thing that may have made you a success as a high school athlete than as a college athlete what you're proposing or saying is that it could actually be a huge negative when it comes into kind of your world as a as a college coach. I mean what in what ways have you seen that affect coaches? Oh man, every coach listening to this knows a lot of other coaches who this has affected and you know, one of the guys who I looked up to as a role model coach um, early in my career, uh, he had been divorced, I think, three times. 
And he was a national championship coach in wrestling, Division One wrestling. And um, so there's not too many of them out of there out there. So you know, if you know the wrestling world well, you might <laughs> right. know who I'm talking about. But but amazing individual. But but he had sacrificed a lot of other things in his life. And you know, outside of the sports world, you know, we you think of a successful person, and a lot of times a name like uh, like a Steve Jobs would come up. But you think about him, and he had that single-minded focus, and he changed the world, absolutely changed the world. But he did it at the expense of He just stepped on people. I mean, he denied his own daughter, for goodness right. sake. And so, so yeah, we, we've all seen those people. And every, this is not even just a coach's thing. I mean, this is I spend most of my time really primarily working with former athletes and, and doing executive coaching for former athletes. And and um, so it's it's just that competitive nature, and, it, and it's it's a human nature problem. It's a societal problem, a cultural problem, right? We all we all want that thing that's parked in our neighbor's driveway, or or that house, or uh, that championship, or whatever it is. We're so driven for that that we have the blinders on in the other areas of our lives. But to be honest, nobody's ever learned this. No, nobody's ever right, really right. learned how to be. Nobody ever coached you. Nobody ever taught you to be balanced, to live a balanced life. Right. Well, and, and you point out that, you know, when you eventually leave athletics, you go out into the real world, no one has really prepared you for that, you know, to how to adjust and modulate that intensity or that drive, or as you, you know, you mentioned that, you know, sort of that single mindedness of, of what you're pursuing and it can overcome you and, and eat you up. Um, and I guess the the thing that that hampers a lot of coaches I see, and I just want to get your opinion on this, is that the, the first thing, I mean, if, if push comes to shove, very few coaches gravitate to the idea that, you know what, I need to dial it back or even get out of coaching because it is just taking too much of a sacrifice you know, on, on the personal side. It's, it usually is the opposite that, hey, this is interfering with my coaching yeah. and I need to leave that relationship or I need to, um, you know, whatever the other sacrifices is going to be. They'll, they'll usually, as an ex-athlete, they'll usually choose the athletic side of that, you know, that, that single-mindedness that you mentioned. Right, and I so I have something I call the goals compass, and I'll share this with you, Dan, and you can share this with your audience. It's it's just a um, it's a compass, it's a graphic that I've had created that has the four areas, <clears throat> excuse me, the four areas of your life on this compass, and it's relationships, self, health, and wealth. So those four, and relationships is in the position where where nor- north would normally be on a compass because. In order to in order to use a compass, you have to know where north is. Everything every mm-hmm. everything orients off of north, right. Right? right? And so relationships are the north in our life, right? And everything orients off of there. And then and then the second one is self. All right, so self goals and self goals. I tell people the way to remember it is GIF G I F growth impact fun. So growth like personal growth, learning a new skill, etc. Impact, you know, making it, you know, making an impact in the world. And, and for coaches, this is you have this opportunity every day. I mean, you're, you're you're interacting with these young people, and like so that's the kind of impact you can make. And then fun, so just things that fill you, things that you enjoy, right? So growth, impact, fun. That's the self goals part. That's the second part. Health. So health and wellness is is the next one. And you know, you can have 
all the money in the world, all the success in the world, but if you don't have your health, what what is what's the value of that, right? right and right. so, so that's another area that a lot of coaches give up is that health and fitness of their their own health and wellness. And then, you know, whether they may still be working out, but maybe they're not getting enough sleep or or whatever the case might be. You're not eating well, et cetera, because they're traveling on the road a lot. And then the last one is wealth, and that's just like your wealth goals, your your career goals, your professional goals, and and that's last. Everything orients off of the north, off of relationships, and your wealth goals, your career goals, those are last, right? And and everybody wants to put those first. And when you have them out of order, everything else suffers. So if you if you have your your wealth and career goals first, then your 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 relationship goals, your health goals, your personal goals, those are all secondary. Well, those are all going to suffer, and people wonder why, you know, they're 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 not feeling well, why they're ill, why they're overweight, why they're not healthy, um, why they're why they don't feel uh, gr- personal growth, um, why their relationships are broken. It's because you have them out of order. But it's relationships, self, health, and wealth in that order. And you know, just as you were telling that uh, that that principle, and it's fantastic for coaches to understand the order is so important in that. And what comes to my mind is many years ago I was traveling to be at the. Um, the AFCA, the the football coaches convention, college football, and uh, I was on the plane and it was sitting next to a guy, and we both started talking. And realized we were both going to the convention. He wasn't a coach, neither was I. We were both going to consult and speak and that type of thing. And and I said, well, what are, what is what do you do? And he said, well, I'm with an insurance, a large insurance company. We do a lot of work with the AFCA. And oh, okay, what are you in? What are you doing your talk on? And he said, well, we present to the wives of football coaches and we do a really detailed um, you know, presentation about you know, how much life insurance they need to have on their husband so that when he dies early, you are, um, you are you know, taken care of. So it's not a matter of if college coaches were, college football <laughs> coaches were misusing their, their bodies and, and wearing themselves out. They had very matter-of-factly, you know, again, done a separate presentation just for the wives of football coaches, uh, so that they would be taken care of after their their husbands flamed out and and unfortunately wow. would pass away early. And it was really a kind of a sobering reminder of you know how out of whack things can get. Um, before I'm you know done with uh, with everything that I'm doing, I would love to do a study on football coaches through the year on the effects of sleep deprivation yeah. on their decision making you know just measure them at the start of the season measure them at the end because you know the, they're just it's it, it, many of them not all of them but many of them um, are it, it's so far out of balance and it goes Jim right back to that thing that you were mentioning which is that single mindedness we have to win and we have to beat the other guy. We have to do better. And I know in football, and it's probably the case in wrestling too, um, as a football player, you know, if you weren't doing good, the answer was we got to work harder. Yeah. We got to go longer. Yeah. We got to hit the weights more. More hours. That was the key to everything is more hours. And so then as a coach, well, they're working 17 hours a day. We're going to work 19 hours a right. day. And you're going to sleep in a cot in your office. So you don't have right. to worry about drive time. And so that's I'm imagining that's the the sort of the negative single mindedness that you're that you're talking about. Absolutely. And this this stuff is also hard to 
to really make real in our lives, you go, okay, this is just, this is, this is, this sounds nice, but how do you actually do it? Right. It's all, there, there's a pro- <laughs> I was just going to say, here's Tudor and Harshaw, the right. you know, rainbow philosophers, saying, "Coach, sure. just back off." And, yeah, and meanwhile, off. they're that they're easy. listening. If they're still, if they haven't, you know, shut it off in anger, they're listening to this, saying, "Guys, don't you realize I have to win? This is competitive, right. and I have to win." And so, where, how do you balance? We're talking about balance. How do you balance that part of just the fact that that coaches have signed up for a very demanding, uh, ridiculously uh, subjective career yeah so I, I've been blessed and lucky enough to have been surrounded by a lot of coaches at the University of Virginia who have won national championships and been the national coach of the year you got the uh, I mean Kevin Sowers won a couple national rowing championships and and Brian O'Connor won one baseball national championship and Brian Ballin won the t- multiple tennis national championships and Tony Bennett you know national coach of the year etc it's on and on I mean um, George Galnovach and Dom Starsha and all these coaches and the interesting thing is that that I've that I've noticed between all these coaches it it they are the winningest coaches are their their core values are first Right, so they understand what's most important to them, and that's what they they sort of orient off of off of people first, right? Mm, yes. And and I'll yeah. never forget one quote that that really summed this up. And this was student athlete. He was actually a three time All American wrestler, and uh, his name is Nick Salzer, and and he was he wrestled for the University of Virginia. And Steve Garland, the head coach, he he's he's cut from the same cloth of all these other coaches that I mentioned. And, uh, and, and one of our, one of our alumni asked me, he said, well, you could have gone to Iowa or Penn state or Oklahoma state, one of these sort of historically top tier national wrestling programs. And they said, why did you come to Virginia? He said, because coach Garland cares more about me as a person than me as an athlete. Mm. And that's what I see in the best coaches, right? So they orient everything off of people and, so if you if you kind of zoom this out even further and you go okay when I was when I was an athlete I was I, I I knew it was important to me right so I knew what was most important I look back on on my life as an athlete Dan and I was I was locked in and focused on I wanted to be I wanted to be like the guys who were my mentors and my role models and my coaches they were national champions they were all Americans and Olympians and they were, you know, disciplined people and they lived disciplined lives and they were respected and they often went on to success after sport. And and so I wanted to be like them and that toughness and that discipline, everything they had, right? And and so I knew what my values were. I knew what my val- what I valued. And then so that's the first step, right? What are your core values? Like what truly deep down is most important to you? Is it is it is it the trophy that you can put on your on your on your trophy shelf or is it is it the people? Um, is it the impact you want to make? Like, what what is the, do you value most, right, in life? Not just around your work, but in, in your entire life. And that's the first step. And then the second step, and there, there's four of these steps. Um, the second step is this, is athletes, it, elite athletes, their core values are aligned with their goals, right? Elite performers mm-hmm. at anything. So my podcast, I've, I've interviewed, you know, I've interviewed guys like you, Dan, and, and right. other people who are just, just tremendous, tremendously successful in their field at what they do. And, and their goals are in alignment with their core values. And they're not in alignment with, like I referred to before, what's parked in their neighbor's driveway or what they're seeing on Facebook or what the media tells them should be important. Like their, their goals are aligned with their own personal core values. They're not comparing themselves to others. They're comparing themselves to their own 
values, right? So, and then, and again, you create the create your goals right. in the four areas: relationships, self, health, and wealth. So, so first step is core values. Second step is goals, and the third step is you look at any elite performer. We'll talk specifically about athletics now. When I was competing, I had I had a coach or coaches. I had teammates who held me accountable, and I was accountable to them. They were accountable to me. I had nutritionists and sports psychologists and strength and conditioning coaches and trainers, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And it wasn't just the people, right? Because you know, um, Jim Rohn, the famous motivational speaker, said, "You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with," which is it's a half truth. I mean, to be honest, like you know, I, I I've got I live with five other people. I live with right. my wife. <laughs> right. Two young daughters and, and two young sons, and that's like the average would be like a teenage girl, I think, if you kind of add it up. So, so that that would be me if that, I'm the average of the five people I spend the most time with. But, but it's actually so much more than that. It is it's the, it's the people, but also it's it's the media, it's the content. Like when I was when I was competing, I didn't watch much TV, but when I did, I was watching the national championships, I was watching the world championships, I was breaking down film of my opponents, breaking down film of myself. Um, I had an audio that I would fall asleep to often, um, uh, like a positive psychology audio. Um, I would visualize. I did all these things, right? This is what I call an environment of excellence, right? So every elite performer has an environment of excellence. And that means sometimes you might have to cut people out or minimize interaction with certain people and maximize interaction with other people. You have to be you know, surrounding yourself with the right media. You know, A lot of people drive to work and, you know, listen to, I don't know, ESPN radio or something like that in the morning, which is fine. But if, if, if that's moving you towards your goal, great. But if it's not, what can you replace that media with? Yeah. Right. And in this environment of excellence, there's four components to it. And I like to come up with acronyms, right? So you can remember these easily. And it's M-A-P-S, maps. You have to know your maps. You have to know where, where, where you're going. And your maps are this for your environment of excellence or M is for media. What is the media uh, that you're allowing into your life? Uh, a is for area, like your physical space, right? Do you have a, I have a stand-up desk in my office, right? Mm, um, mm -hmm. you it might be posting your goals, uh, on your wall. Um, I just talked to a gentleman a couple of days ago, one of my coaching clients and, um, he has, uh, he has like, uh, uh, some symbols on his, on his shelf in his bookshelf in his office that just represent different things, right? To him, it kind of reminds him of what's most important in his life. So this is your physical space, your area, right? Uh, is it well lit or all these things? Um, P is for people. Like who are the people that are in your life? Who do you need to, you know, spend more time with or less time with? And S is for speech. You know, the talk, the positive self-talk, whether it's your, your, your self-talk or your out loud talk, um, those are the four things in your environment of excellence. Right. And then, and then the fourth step. So the first step was core values. The second step was goals that align with those core values. The third step is environment of excellence. And the fourth step is follow through. Like you have to have a plan to follow through on this stuff. And I'm not just talking about winning championships and getting the best recruits. I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about your health, your wellness, your personal goals. And and you have to have this plan for follow through because a lot of people, they do, they'll do this work. Well, most people don't do the work, but even when they do do this work, maybe it's just setting New Year's resolutions or maybe it's an actual goal setting process they go through. They stick them up on a shelf somewhere and they and they forget about them. Right. 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 Coaches don't. Coaches remember their like their their team goals and their professional goals, but they oftentimes forget like what what's my what's my goal with with my husband or my wife at home right. with my kids. Yeah, and as you're saying that, Jim, you know, so I'm thinking back athletically. You were taught if you're a good athlete, you were taught to sort of put your own well-being behind you know the team or that sure. goal and. 
you know, certainly there's something to be said, you know, again, when you're a high school, college athlete, learning how to put others and bigger things ahead of your own selfish desires or, you know, I don't feel like getting out of bed and going to practice. Well, again, like you have those teammates, like you mentioned, are keeping you accountable. And yet, if you, it seems what I'm hearing you say is that if you carry that into your job and your life as a college coach, if you keep putting yourself and your own relationships and your own health and, and, and everything second, third, or fifth, that's going to start to really negatively affect you for the rest of your life. Because frankly, you know, athletics is sort of this little bubble of maple leaf that you get to be involved with, uh, either for four or eight years as a high school and college athlete. Yeah. And then it, and then you enter the real world and, and that's, it, I'm, just as you're as you're talking, that's sort of what is dawning on me is that we never really learn how to leave that bubble. Yeah, yeah, and 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 now we get out into the real world. We're out of that bubble, and we're you know the for the college coaches listening. It's it's um there there's so many things pulling at you, pulling right. at your time, and I I know I, I was there. You can. You can always do more. There's you can never you could never stop if you want. You could work twenty four seven and not be done. Period. Right. Right. Um, but where's that going to get you at the end of the day? Where's that going to leave you? Um, and, and it's all about working smarter, not harder. I mean, there's 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 always yeah. You can always try to put more hours in, but that's finite. You know, what are the what are the what are the right ways to work and the right ways to live? Well, and there's just for people who are listening or they want to go back and listen to a past episode of uh, on this podcast, episode 18. Uh, Jim was on talking about um, college coaching success through failure, and and without going into it now, uh, you you actually shared quite a bit from your own personal story that really relates about uh, back to this, which was you know finding balance and going through some really incredible struggle to get to the point you are now. And and again, there's so much that you're talking about now, Jim, that I can remember back to that first conversation we had. And, uh, and that, you know, you've, you've truly applied it, but you're not, I guess I want the listener to know this is not just pie in the sky. Here's something you came up with and doesn't it sound good? You know, you lived this and this is, these are things that you've done, uh, to, you know, to, to build and rebuild, um, your own, your own brand, your own self and your own business. So, um, just yeah. wanted people to know that. Yeah, and and I got to I was in that dark place where my my marriage was on the rocks, and I wasn't spending enough time with my kids, and um, I, my health was in the was in the worst physical condition of my life. I had debt up to my eyeballs, so everything was a mess. When when this sort of all all came to me, and I think we did talk about that more yeah. in that last episode, um, and that's when all this this came to me, and I started implementing this system in my life, and and the. The the clarity that I got from it was incredible, and and then and, and, and it's still a battle every day. It's a battle, but you, I'm, I'm very focused. And I'm very clear on what I need to do to maintain this balance, and I teach it. I teach us to. I've taught this to, to lots of college coaches, and uh, all, like like I said, almost primarily all former athletes at some level. Um, but I've worked with neurosurgeons and MBAs and entrepreneurs and doctors and and teachers and everything in between. Right. So, so let's do this. In the time that we have remaining, I want to give you three coaching profiles or scenarios that I run into or hear about all the time and uh, where it relates back to kind of what they're struggling with personally as a college coach. And let me just kind of run through and, and present those scenarios and 
get your recommendation for what you would advise that coach to do using the principles that we've been talking about uh, here on the podcast so far. Yeah, great. All right, so the first one I'll do is you have a coach that's listening right now that is young, maybe first two or three years in coaching, um, fired up, willing to work, you know, uh, 70 hours a week, um, doesn't mind sleeping in his car or he'll sleep in the office or the coach's basement, the head coach's basement, whatever, whatever he can get. He just wants his foot in the door. He's running a million miles an hour and he's doing things the same way that he saw the coach that was coaching him that recruited him. He's doing it the same way because that's something that, uh, you know, who else is going to teach him? He's just going to go fall back on past experience um, and maybe he is just, he or she is just starting to feel a little bit tired now in year three, you know, the thrill is starting to wear off and, and now the questions or the, you know, the thoughts creep in like, do I really want to do this for the, my whole life because of those 70 hour work weeks and, and doing everything that you just described, putting, putting that work first, what, walk me through what you would tell that coach and and how does he or she maybe reevaluate take a step back and use the principles that you're talking about to to make some changes yeah i would tell that coach i would say first of all go go through those four steps that i talked about and i think the most important for this coach is going to be the environment of excellence like who are the people in your life that who who you can talk to about this who have been in the profession for a long time or just people that you respect and Find out what they would, you know, I say, what, what would you tell someone, you know, if you were me, what would you do? Or, you know, if you could go back and give your own, you know, 25 or 30 year old self a piece, one piece of advice, what would that be? And I would ask that, that those questions to uh, mentors and role models and people who you admire that, that have been in the game for, for a long time. Okay. And, and also, I guess, understand that they're, there is a different way to do it. You don't have to burn out at 32 or, you know, <laughs> battle an alcohol addiction that, you know, maybe right. you were using to, you know, to get through, you know, that, that 70 hour work week. Um, and that's just, that's not just a coaching thing that is in the corporate world oh, yeah. you know, all Absolutely. over the place. So, yep. um, okay. That's great advice. So my second scenario is um, you have a young coach, um, not at the beginning of their career, you know, seven or eight, uh, year seven or eight in coaching. Um, and uh, she is a really successful assistant. Um, people are starting to press her to be a head coach somewhere. She's just got the talent. She's making the contacts, um, <clears throat> has the stability in her career that, that athletic directors might like to see. How does she know what she should do because as you know being a head coach comes with a lot of other time responsibilities and commitments and and you know and I think I've heard lots of stories where coaches get pressured into taking the job just because it was the next step on the ladder right and they find out really quickly that it was not something that they should have done so I'm just I'm just wondering you have a coach now in that position that's listening um, and whether it's you know from the principles and certainly from your own experience, what do you what do you tell them as far as like how do you how do they know what to do as they evaluate that that fork in the road? Yeah, so this this is going going back again going through that process. The first one, the core values, like what really is important to you is 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 it um, 
is it being a head coach? You know, I, I did that. I jumped into head coaching tour. I was the youngest division one head coach in the country at the time. I was 26 and I got there and I thought I knew everything. And, and wow, that I, my, my eyes were just wide open, uh, after, you know, a few months on the job. Um, you got to understand, like, you got to think about what is most important to me, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it being the head coach or is it, or is it, um, maybe, maybe it's, finding a spouse or, or raising your kids, you know, that that's most important to you. And you know, that being a head coach is going to maybe be more time consuming and not less. Is it, um, uh, is it living in a certain place? Is it, is it freedom? Right. Um, right. so, so evaluating like what's most important to me and, and does that head coaching job or that next job, that next step, does, does that align with what's most important to me? And it may, it may not. So I'm not, I'm not going to tell you yes or no, it does, because of sure. course it, it may be the perfect next step for you. But if you don't know those things, you're going to blindly follow what the world is telling you to do. And you, you can't do that. If you blindly follow, you know, that, that's what most of the people I coach, I shouldn't say, most of the people in the world, in America, are blindly following, blindly doing the next thing because that's the next thing you're supposed to do. Whoever you know, the the, the they that that says you're they're, you're supposed to do that. That's what they say, right? You can't do that. You can't live your life like that. You have to live your life based on what's important to you because when you start making choices based on what's important to other people and what they think you should do, that's when you get out of balance. That's when you get out of focus, and that's when you that's when you you know, down the road, you finally lift your head up and you go, wait a second, how did I get here? This isn't, this isn't right. where I wanted to be. So right. starting with those core values and then drawing your goals based off of those core values. Right. And, you know, I'll, I'll pause there just as a, as a, with a follow-up question, uh, in that, in that scenario, uh, do you ever advise coaches, you want to be a coach and, and you know, let's say you want to be a head coach. Well, being a head coach at division one, uh, compared to maybe at a smaller school is a, is a much different set of, um, you know, time commitments and, uh, and, and pressure and everything. I mean, so I guess, I don't know if maybe it's a question, maybe it's just a statement disguised as a question, but I, I, I hear so many, I, I get to meet so many coaches that were once division one coaches and now they've, for whatever reason, by accident or design, they're at a division three school or a little NAIA school and they are loving life compared to maybe what sure. they were struggling with at Division One. I. I guess, so my statement, maybe I'll just throw it out to see if you agree, that it doesn't have to be Division One. It doesn't have no. to be, so I'm a mid-tier Division One coach now. I've got to get to the BCS. I think as a younger coach, you tend to think that, that it's all about rising up the level. And I think, you know, I'm figuring that you and I have learned that that's not what it's all about. That's right. And that goes in line with, with this process. If you right. know what's actually right. important to you, then you're going to make decisions based off of that. And, you know, a friend of mine, I was just having a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago and he turned down, you know, he, he was kind of on the corporate ladder and, and, and he could have taken the next step, which would have required him to move to leave Charlottesville. We live in Charlottesville and it's a, it's a great mm -hmm. town and he would have had to leave. And he would have made a lot more money, but he and his family chose not to. And he based that off of not what society and everybody else thinks you're supposed to do, but what was important to him, you know? And so he is, his core values are intact and his family is intact. Uh, and he still gets to do the things on his beautiful piece of property that he has that he loves to do. Um, and so the, the grass is not always greener uh, in the BCS or in the big time or in Division One. You have to figure out what's important to you and and uh, and where you can find the balance. You know, 
what you know what kind of life do you want to live you know right. do you want to do you want to live in the city or a suburb or rural or whatnot? You know. Well, and the other wh- thing I hear you saying, Jim, too, is where all this applies. Let's just assume you're in for coaching for the rest of your life. If you want to have longevity in college coaching, that balance that you're talking about and that that um, you know the the purpose, you know, knowing what you know, what's going to you know really make you happy and and be right for you. If you're going to take a long term view of coaching. The things that you're talking about, as I'm hearing them, those are essential. They're not, it's not optional. I mean, if you're not going to do that, you're going to burn out and you're not going to get to do this thing that maybe you just love doing, which is coaching in college athletics. Right. And, and most coaches are in it for, for the right reasons. I mean, they're in it for making mm-hmm. an impact and, and teaching and sharing and educating young people. And you can do that at all kinds of different levels. Obviously, everybody wants to make the big bucks, but but there's other ways to, to make money. And there, there's plenty of research out there showing that once you make a certain amount of money, any more money it does not, is not correlated to happiness. So right. you've got to, of course, pay the bills, make the salary that you need to live the lifestyle that you want to live. But but beyond that, it's it's your decisions need to be based off of relationships and people. Right. And, that, and that, you know, I think what you're telling that coach that's listening that maybe is in that position, and certainly what I'm saying is that it's okay to do that. I mean, it's not something that's not a sign of weakness or because, again, going back to life and the mindset of an athlete is, you know, you start getting soft as the, as the saying goes, you know, you, it's time to, you know, really, you know, hey, you know, get your head back in the game and this is what it's all about. And it's that singular focus that you were talking about. Um, but when you're a coach, I think you have to, you have to know why you're doing it and, uh, or else it's just going to be, uh, that it's going to be a miserable couple of years on your way to getting fired or burned or burning out. Let me, let me throw the next and the last scenario at you is that you have a head coach listening that's been in it for 10 or 15 years. They run a program. Um, so they are that CEO. They're doing the, they're coaching, they're running practices, they're managing their staff. They're doing the uh Kiwanis and Lions Club talks around town they're interacting with boosters all the paperwork all the different things that you have to do as a head coach and they don't have the balance and very clearly the job has started overtaken them and they're hearing what you're saying Jim and the principles and part of them is probably saying okay that sounds great but I've you know I don't know how to make this transition I've been doing it this way for so long, how do I change now? Can you, for a coach like that, and obviously that might be, it's, sometimes it's harder to unhook all the wires and then rehook them up the right way. But <laughs> for that coach, what would be the first two or three things you would have them doing to, to start making those steps, um, which ultimately should lead them to go to jimharshawjr.com and, and really interact with you one-on-one for their personal situation. But, yeah. but as they're listening to this, what would be the first two or three things that you would have them do as an experienced coach leading a program, but, but beginning to be overcome by the, uh, by the, um, by the, uh, just the pressure of it all. Sure. I, I help people unhook and, and rehook up the wires all the time, make that transition. That's, that is exactly what I do. So it's a great question, Dan. This coach needs to look at this goals compass. All right. And again, I'll send you the link and, and Dan, you can, you can share that with the audience. Yeah, however we'll you want to share the, that on the share on the show notes. Okay. Uh, if you're listening to this, just go back to the uh, front page of your podcast and it'll be in the show notes. Excellent. And 
so this goals compass, like I said before, relationships, self, health, and wealth. And, and I have a goal setting template. It's on my website. Um, if you go to jimharsherjr.com, you can get a copy of this template and it takes you through the process of, of how to set, how do you set a relationship goal? You go, okay, I'm not, I'm, my relationship with my spouse, with my kids is not where I want it to be. Let's say that's kind of the, this in part of this imbalance that you're feeling, you know, there's always stress at home and this conflict between home and work. Um, I just had one of my coaching clients tell me, uh, yesterday he said, um, things that used to compete for my net, my time now complement each other. And I thought that was mm. so cool. He find, he, he made that transition. That's, it was so that's cool. balance. You're talking it's about balance. balance it and is. it was, it's amazing. And, um, and so, so how do you set a relationship goal? You can't say like, I want to be uh, 50% more in love with my wife by the end of the year, right? You can't, like, you <laughs> right. can't, like, it's hard, you know, people struggle with setting those relationship goals, but it has to be, w with those, it can be a process goal, all right? So let's say it's, if you're, if you're finding imbalance, it's probably around either relationships or health, maybe both, right? And so with relationships, you might set a goal, um, I want to do at least one date night a month with my wife. That was my goal. That's been my goal for, for all of 2017. It doesn't sound like much, but we actually have never been able to achieve that until we actually made it a real concrete right, goal sure. for my wife and I, and we've done that. And it's just the intangible, uh, impact that that has had on our lives. It's just been incredible. You know, and that was one of our relationship goals. We had a couple and another one was to spend two nights together, you know, without the kids and just kind of get away. We have four young kids and that's a hard thing to do. And, and so we set those goals. And, and when you make those concrete, that's the rewiring that's taking place. You're going, okay, this is, this is my goal. And then I, the last part of these four step, this process is the follow through plan. You have to have ways to make this, this stick, right? If you're showing up at the office every day and your goal is to win the national championship or the conference championship, that's easy because you're showing up at work every day and you know that that's what you're working towards every day. But if you go home and you just go home and you eat dinner and you go to sleep and you wake up and you go to work, there's nothing pushing you to have a better relationship or reminding you you have to have a better relationship. So you have to have, I'll give you some strategies. Number one, uh, you can write your goals down on a regular basis. I write my goals down probably two or three or four times a week, um, just depending on sort of the different structure of my day. That's, uh, but I, but I, I write it multiple times a week. I write all my goals, my relationship, self, health, and wealth goals, uh, writing them down. Um, on the back of my business card, there's an area for four goals. And you can, I, I write my goals on the back of there, my top four goals. So I keep those in my, in my wallet all the time. Uh, one, I, I keep my goals on a, on a Google doc and once a month, I have a reminder that pops up on my calendar to pull up my Google doc and to pull up the same worksheet that I'm, that I'm offering to everybody here. Uh, and I go through that worksheet and I just kind of look through all my goals and I adjust my deadlines. I adjust my action items. I adjust my, uh, there's a question of who are the people in, in groups and organizations who can help you get there. I adjust that if I need to, uh, what are the obstacles you're going to see along the way? I adjust that if I need to, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just comb through that. It takes about five minutes, maybe 10 minutes a month to do this, but you have to be willing to set up this system so that you can be rewired. You can get, I, for anybody listening who's feeling their life is out of balance, I promise you, I promise you, you can get there. You've just not learned the system before. This is the system that will help you get there. And as you're saying that, Jim, what, what comes to mind is in terms of coaches that need a glimmer of hope out there from their peers, you're hearing more and more about basketball, I mean, at Division One level, basketball staffs and football staffs beginning to send their um, 
send their coaches home on you know early on certain nights so that they can spend time with their family because they're seeing the tool or they're allowing you know kids and families to be out at practice on certain days because that's you know without that balance it you know they're losing good people and it's it's a struggle with many coaching organizations you see the millennial generation coming up and they have different values different mindsets about what life is all about and um, sort of the old hard driving 80 hour a week uh, um, coaching philosophy is starting to have to make accommodations for some of the you know again the, the younger coaches that want or are looking for more balance or else they're going to lose those younger coaches uh, or they'll only stay in it for uh, for a couple of years so again everything that you're talking about as I've listened to you it goes back to coaches who want longevity this is part of the secret it's not just keep winning and that's what keeps me in the game um, because you can you can be a winner and yet not not be enjoying life and not have you know a life you know worth living um, it's certainly in, inside the profession and so this is it, maybe just as a wrap-up statement it seems to me that this is essential and one of the core things that a coach needs in order to really have a long successful consistent coaching career that's right yeah that balance that that's that's, that's something that everybody's hungry for but you have to be willing to stop and get off the treadmill of life and actually do the work to find that balance well coach there you go i'll tell you what if you if you combine what jim harshaw just taught you through his goal setting principles that that work and you combine that with our conversation last week with the, in the previous episode with Coach Mike Lightfoot, all about balance and achieving your goals the right way. It's an unbeatable one-two punch. So I really encourage you to take the lessons that you've learned and apply them. Don't be one of those coaches that looks back and wishes they had done things differently or who has a career that has ended prematurely just because of stress and because of misplaced priorities that don't get handled the right way. Really great stuff, and I really appreciate Jim Harshaw for joining us. Again, go to the show notes here on the podcast page for all the resources that he's giving away for free related to the goal-setting techniques that he just outlined. And Coach, continue to listen to College Recruiting Weekly. We're going to be back with more great episodes and tips and techniques on recruiting and conversations with coaches. Encourage your fellow coaches on staff and in your department to subscribe because the more people we have listening, the more of an audience, the more of a conversation that we have, and, and you get a chance to hear better and more diverse views on how to get this job done, the job of coaching and recruiting. That's going to do it for today. Really appreciate you listening, Coach. This is Dan Tudor saying goodbye, and we'll see you next time on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. As each of us recalls, ivy-covered professors 
in ivy-covered halls. Turn on the spigot, pour the beer and swig it, and Gaudiamo get a tour. Here's two parties we tossed, to the games that we lost, we shall claim that we won them someday. To the girls, young and sweet, to the spacious back seat of our roommates beat up Chevrolet. To the beer and Benzedrine, to the way that the Dean tried so hard to be pals with us all. To excuses we fibbed, to the papers we cribbed, from the genius who lived down the hall. To the tables down at Maury's, wherever that may be. Let us drink a toast to all we love the best. We will sleep through all the lectures and cheat on the exams. And we'll pass and be forgotten with the rest. Oh, soon we'll be out amid the cold world's strife. Soon we'll be sliding down the razor blade of life. Ooh. But as we go our sordid separate ways, we shall ne'er forget thee. Thou golden college days. Hearts full of youth, hearts full of truth, six parts gin to one part vermouth. <laughs> <laughs>